The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Going to move on to talking about some of the bits that are in the news today. And joining me in studio to do this is journalist Jen Hogan and broadcaster Adrian Kennedy. Good morning to you both. Good, Good morning, morning, Steph. You you really brushed over that Kilimanjaro thing. What an achievement <laughs> yeah. to be just brushing over it on a Saturday morning. Uh, is it an achievement? Yes, it I is. I cannot relate cool, to yeah. the impulse. Like no, I, no, I can't relate. I can't understand why anyone would want, want to, do to do it. it. But wow, all the same. Yeah, yeah he did <laughs> yeah. say. Now I put it up on my Instagram because I he's been the texts are difficult, but he was able yeah. to. Text me this morning and he said that the summit to the top was the worst thing he's ever experienced in his whole life it was horrendous truly awful like a huge physical challenge but he's on the way back down now that's fantastic yeah so yeah. he's been to the top and they've all Very taken their cool. pictures so he'll be home on Wednesday anyway <laughs> moving on to something that is uh, not as novel as uh, climbing Kilimanjaro on the cover of the Irish Independent today did this catch your eye um, cash for holiday homes to tackle the refugee crisis so the government has issued a plea to holiday homeowners to loan their properties to the state because of this refugee crisis that we're in the middle of um, so there's already a 400 euro cash incentive I think for people to invite refugees into their own homes mm-hmm. that they themselves live in but there are a lot of I think 66,000-ish holiday homes in the country which the government are hoping to acquire. What do you guys make of this? Yeah, I mean, I was I was looking at it and I noticed that they said that only 1,500 have applied for the 400 euro pay, payment already. So that's so, for them to live in with you. So is that living? I was trying to make out for them. Is yeah. that for living in? Is yeah. Okay, so that's that's one thing. I mean, we're going, obviously we have a huge crisis, a, a huge accommodation crisis. I'm not sure this is going to be the solution though because if we're looking at already moving the refugees from student accommodation because that's obviously the big problem that we have coming up, the student accommodation needs to be returned so that it's accessible to the students or available to the students again. Are we going to look at constantly moving our stu- moving families on? What happens when the families who give up their holiday homes want their holiday homes back to, to have a mm-hmm. trip there or a vacation there themselves? Are we moving families on? Are we thinking of the consequences, the fallout for children who might have to move schools constantly? The upset for families who've already had this huge upheaval and trauma and they come from a war-torn country. It's it's not really looking at the bigger picture and, and trying to help families integrate into communities. It's just a, we'll, you know, We'll put them here for now. Sure, we'll put them somewhere else in a little while. It seems, it seems a bit of a um, a daft. I mean, I understand the urgency. I understand that, and I appreciate that. But I'm not sure that we're not just papering over the cracks here again. That's definitely something that comes across in this article by Philip Ryan. That you know they're saying like this is there's more refugees now than any time since World War Two. We're really in a wartime era, but because it's not because I think we're not seeing it so much people are just kind of like oh well I might want my holiday home or mm. like so far there are 43 like up to last Thursday 43,972 Ukrainian refugees had in, arrived in Ireland and if only like 1,500 people have you know have, have given up, given them, up yeah. what, what do you make of it uh, I, I feel sorry for anybody with mm. <coughs> a holiday home because it's putting moral yeah. pressure on them to uh, to play ball I'll tell you what this is this is a failure of the pledge system that was originally mm-hmm. uh, introduced back in uh, March where people were oh yeah you can come and stay with me and they pledged uh, their houses thinking that two or three weeks later a Ukrainian family would arrive and stay with them and they were happy enough with that but unfortunately that system has taken so long to uh, go through Garda vetting and after six months Ukraine isn't top of our news agenda Mm -hmm. as much as it was back in March people have said oh no no I'm not really into it anymore so originally we had thousands and thousands of people were saying please come and stay with me 
And that's kind of gone off the agenda now. So it, 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 because it has taken so long, and I understand we have to go through processes of guard vetting and all of that, but it has taken too long to the point that people have just said, I don't, I'm not bothered mm-hmm. now. So do you but reckon it, if the Ukrainians had taken those places in those houses more quickly that people well, it's, become, it's not necessarily to do with the Ukrainians it's if to do, been given, like if it it's had to been do with up. the process had mm-hmm. they uh, um, been approved much quicker and had the guard of vetting been mm-hmm. done much quicker we'd be in a different position but a lot of people I know of people uh, who originally back in March said yes I'd, mm-hmm. I'll happily take a family in and have now said no I'm, I'm not going to take a family in uh, because they're being housed in, in places like City West and so on I do. F- I, I don't think holiday homes is the solution either, because as you said, Jen, it's temporary. Yeah. Um, I might not be using my holiday home for October, November, and I might want to use it in December mm-hmm. over Christmas yeah. or whatever. So, I don't think it's a solution by any stretch of the mm-hmm. imagination. It's hard to imagine though what the solution is though, because obviously they're scrambling. We don't have, we barely have enough. We don't have enough housing to house you know Irish homeless people. They have taken these. Is is it? It's a European mandate. How many people we have to take, isn't it? Um, no, 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 there's no, no limit. limit. No, no. Um, and there have been calls only a couple of weeks there's ago. There's a bottom limit though, isn't there? Like we can't say we're full. No, we can't say we're full. Yes. No, no, we no but, uh, but there have been calls for us to say we're full because mm-hmm. we just don't mm-hmm. physically have anywhere to put people. Uh, only two weeks ago, we had people sleeping on the floor in Dublin Airport, yeah. which isn't acceptable in anyone's language. And then they were uh, moved to Gormanstown mm-hmm. to, to live in tents. Is that what we want? Or are we not better off to say at some point, sorry, we've done our best, but we're full. And we've taken per head of population an awful lot more than many countries in Europe. We're doing very well in what we have uh, offered to, in terms of accommodation here in Ireland. In the first instance, when it, when, when the war kicked off in the, you know, in the first instance, there was a huge amount of social cohesion. Everyone was behind it. Everyone was pledging everything mm. they could, sending buses full of, you know, products from the supermarkets over to Ukraine. Do you think that there is a fear now that social cohesion is is gone and that people are saying Ukraine like, has dropped off the news agenda? And that's it, isn't it? I mean, when you think, the war hasn't, which is no, really the war sad, hasn't gone away. No, gone away. But we no. were bombarded with it at the beginning every day. Like I remember going to bed and I'd check. I remember checking Zelensky was alive every night. Going to bed, waking up first thing in the morning. I go, please let me be still alive. There was that fear. We were completely invested in that at the beginning. We were watching the refugees leave. We all wanted to see what can we do. What mm. as a nation can we do? The whole world wants to see what could we do. And as we were warned, the war has gone on and on and it's not the top of the news um, agenda. It's not a priority. It's it's not that it's not on people's radar, but they've moved on. And I mean, as Adrian was talking there about even the, the whole process having broken down, the, the ple- people pledging their homes, that was also always going to be problematic because the idea of someone coming to stay with you for a couple of weeks is one thing. The idea of somebody living with you for an indefinite amount of time yeah, is a totally, totally other different. ask. I'd love to know what you think about this, listener. Um, we have some texts coming in, so if you want to text, you can text 53106. But someone has said, we have pledged accommodation to Ukrainians and we are still waiting to be matched. It's been an awful process so far, but there are still many of us willing to have people that's really disappointing and and we're talking about six months later Um, I know of another family the exact same thing they pledged accommodation and in their own home in their own home yeah in their own home and they're still Mm -hmm. waiting so it's not like people haven't volunteered and and some of those people then have just said I'm not bothered anymore yeah, and then another text here saying if hotels get up to 120 euro per night per person, how are people expected to take in a Ukrainian family for 400 euro? That's a, month? a very good yeah. question. Um, and hotels, um, obviously, in, uh, I was in a hotel recently, and a quarter of their rooms are being used to house uh, Ukrainians. But for that hotel, that's guaranteed income mm-hmm. of an awful lot more 
than I would get if I took a family in. I would get uh, what's four hundred euro a divided month. by thirty days? Yeah. It's an awful lot less. Yeah, it really is. In the middle of a cost of living mm. crisis where everything's going up, and, and it's that. But it's that social cohesion that it, it, people are, I think, turning now. If it comes to September and your child is looking for accommodation in university and they can't get it, and you know, I, I think it's a fracturous time, and, and I'm not sure that government have a plan. No, and it's certainly that. something they need to be looking at because that's not that's not what we need. We don't need we don't need people turning on each other either. We don't need that. You know, Ukrainian refugees still need support. They still need to be welcomed. We still need to make Ireland uh, a welcoming place for them. But if we all start turning on each other or start or start to resent um, people who are fleeing their country um, and feel oh well it's stopping my, my son or my daughter getting accommodation and you can understand those personal and individual frustrations but really we should be anticipating this this is not a surprise we knew this was coming Yeah we I mean it's kind of scary to see how it's going to go it does seem people like government are now kind of scrambling being like oh please give us anything you have but that if you're giving over your accommodation that level of panic isn't giving you yeah. kind of like, OK, there's a plan here. I'm mm-hmm. going to be getting it back. Um, right. Well, we move on to uh, a- another story written by Daniel McConnell, who has today taken us on a sort of a Joycean journey from his home in Drumcondra to his office in or to his work in Leinster House through the streets of Dublin, um, where he has described. So he talks about how he loves Dublin and it's his it's his home city, apart from sometimes where he lived somewhere else. Um, but he says the city that he loves is in a world of pain and it is awful to see. It's a filthy, filthy, desolate place. Day after day, the streets are getting more manky, piled with discarded rubbish from overflowing bins, bin bags which have split open by predatory birds and their... uh, and so you see their disgusting content spilt all over the paths. He notes like Sherrard Street is notorious for abandoned furniture, household items, Gardner Street with its considerable amount of vacant or unused properties, dog feces, litter piles on O'Connell Street, Belvedere Place. It's really alarming. Like then he goes to College Green, which he says is going to need, is in so much pain that radical therapy will be required to restore it to its former <laughs> glory. And he goes up Grafton Street all the way to... Um, notes the vacant properties there I don't think this is just a Dublin issue but it's certainly like Dublin is where I live so it's where I see it it's just becoming it's just like there's no one in charge anymore it's disgusting mm-hmm. have you do you, have I, you got, I, got into, I got into trouble recently on a, on a podcast for highlighting that O'Connell Street is the most disgraceful uh, main street of any yeah. city in the whole of Europe and I was uh, condemned for running down the city and everything else but it is mm-hmm. Uh, the thoroughfare of O'Connell Street should be the most beautiful because uh, it's such a wide, it's beautiful the street. In Europe, isn't it? it could be the most beautiful street in Europe, mm-hmm. and we just don't bother. And this isn't a new thing, by the way. It's it's been like that for years. Yeah. But um, Daniel's dead right. Um, I'm a dub as well. I'm born and bred in Dublin. Uh, very proud of our city. Sometimes. And myself and my wife took a walk a couple of weeks ago. We were going to a christening on a Sunday afternoon. And my wife is a north sider. I'm a south sider. So she spent her youth in the north inner city uh, at bars and clubs in the north inner city. And we walked from O'Connell Street all the way down to uh, Connolly Station, down along Talbot Street. And she was terrified. Now, this mm-hmm. is a woman who spent her entire youth in the North Inner City. She couldn't believe how bad the place has gone, how run down it's become, how dirty it is, how antisocial it is. And it was a, she, she described it as a horrible experience on a Sunday afternoon. Now, yeah. 
I wasn't as shocked because I spent a lot more time in the city than she would. You also probably she, spent a lot of time judging the north side from being from the south side. I may have. Just I may have. I, I, I may have. But um, I, she was as a she was horrified. And that really is a worrying uh, indication of how bad the city uh, has become. And um, he, Daniel is dead right. It's filthy. It's manky. It's... Part of the problem is that you can fling a black bag of rubbish out on on the street and nobody is mm-hmm. going to do anything except the seagulls. Yeah. They love the black bags. They rip them asunder and nobody is penalising the person who threw that black bag out on the street outside their front door. Is that because nobody is seeing it? Is that because nobody cares? Have we lost staff? Is it just that people have become more emboldened? Because you drive, drive through, there was a diversion on one of the motorways so I had to go the old way back through all the towns and on a on a weekend morning the other uh, about three weeks ago and there were people out in these tidy town high-vis vests mm. cleaning up their town like some of rural Ireland I don't know if that's rural Ireland but like some of like non-motorway Ireland is absolutely gorgeous lovely planted mm-hmm. flower beds roundabouts and then you come to the city which you know people are being charged three, four hundred euro a night to stay in this city and you're absolutely mortified watching tourists walk around Dublin. It's, it, yeah, I'm a proud dub. Now I'm from, I'm from the south side kind, I'm from Tala so I'm not, so it's not quite the same as maybe the south side Dublin Adrian's referring to and I spent my youth in the north side of Dublin city centre when I came in as well. I rarely do anymore. I rarely, I rarely go over because it, because of how it looks now and because of how it is and because of how you feel when you're there. It is, it, I'm at such a proud dub and I'm, it is not a city that you can look at and say oh isn't it fabulous isn't, I mean that's not, not a reflection on the people it's a reflection on the city it's it's that t- and you do feel for tourists who might arrive and I'm sure they go oh my god is this it is this is this Dublin is this is this what we get when we come here and I am nervous even when my teenagers go into town yeah. I'm nervous because of the, the antisocial behaviour I'm, I'm nervous that they you know they might not they, they might accidentally walk into a situation. It's it's totally different to how I felt about Dublin growing up. I don't know if it is more of a Dublin thing than elsewhere. Though. I'd be really interested because, to know if you could text in, yeah. like, is this the same, is this a city thing? Like, have all cities like Galway, Kilkenny, well, Cork, have they become? I was in Galway only just this week gone and Galway City did not look like Dublin City to me. It did right. not. It was a much nicer city. It was a much more welcoming, attractive city than Dublin. And Dublin looks dreadful. And, you know, that, that you can be a du- proud du- Dublin. Du- like I would argue Dublin looks dreadful in parts uh, uh, you yes, can go yeah. to the south inner city um, around Grafton Street and it's, and, totally different and it's a totally different vibe it's yeah. it's much cleaner it's much um, better presented much better looked after mm. and there seems to be much more pride in that part of, mm. of uh, the city and that's nothing to do with me being a outsider but that's is that to do, to do with pride like surely the, the council is in charge of this well, there's not as many uh, there's not as many people live in uh, in the south inner city around the Grafton Street okay, area it's like just offices and businesses exactly right? People are so, living in the inner city. Um, but I have to give a, a shout out to uh, to Dublin City Council. I don't know if you've ever been in the city at maybe two or three in the morning. The place is manky. It's absolutely disgusting with people just throwing um, coffee cups and beer cans and whatever all over the street. By seven o'clock in the morning, the place is spotless mm. again because the city council are out working every single night to clean up the mess that people are leaving behind. We have some texts in here on the tidy up. Our local governments and policymakers at a national level could, if they had it in them, rejuvenate and put order on our towns. The majority of us all don't care about anything except piling up money. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is about investment. But then, like, I was in Cork and I'm from Cork, so, you know, there's a Cork-Dublin thing. But (laughs) Cork just seemed to have done, you know, like, even when we were with the COVID-19, 
eating, dining outdoors or whatever. It just seemed that Cork is a much more, you know, perambulatory city. Like you can walk around, mm. you can dine outdoors. Whereas in Dublin, it seemed to be like the dining outdoors, you're kind of sitting next to a bin. And <laughs> I know, you know, it's more concentrated. So no, the- Cork definitely did outdoor dining better than mm. uh, Dublin did. Although there, there has been a spin-off when we see the pedestrianisation of Capel Street yeah. and so on. It's actually very nice um, mm-hmm. and is adding to a better vibe in in the city and hopefully it'll continue. And is there still no better place to live in Ireland than Dublin? Sorry, I had to get in there. <laughs> <Did you? Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm moving, I'm just saying it's cleaner, it's more it's more aesthetic. Um, I just want to read some text messages here on the Ukraine. Um, convents, parochial houses, churches, guard stations, empty all over the country, obvious places to house refugees, please. I guess... I think they are they're undertaking aren't they to um, to invest in some properties that are owned by the state so I think that is underway but no, again They did ask sporting <laughs> bodies as well to help with the GAA um, said the other day that it's it's going to be a, a nightmare for them that it's just it's the busy time, time of the year It's a really yeah. busy time of the year We also have it's not okay that we turn our backs on the Ukrainians I don't think anyone's suggesting that no. we turn our backs on the Ukrainians we're just actually can we you know, face them in, a, in an honest way with a plan rather than just sort of throwing them here and there because we, we, we don't have any sort of like foresight. Just all seems very myopic and short-sighted. A lot of NGOs are very slow to deal with the Ukraine issue. It's not down to mean citizens. Yeah, again, not saying that it is, but it, we need some better kind of a plan. Hi guys, I recently moved to Cork from a small town and it's brilliant. Dereliction certainly an issue and it's a crying shame, but if it can be sorted, it's hard to fault it. I lived in Dublin for a while and I couldn't wait to get out. I mean, I'm going to temper my reaction to that because I think Cork City is a lovely place. Um... Another one, I live in the suburbs of Dublin and my kids are young teenagers and have never been into the city centre. Mm. While it remains an uneasy, dangerous place, they will never set foot in there. Isn't that sad? Mm. Isn't that sad? Because uh, as a teenager myself, I spent a lot of time mm. in, in Dublin City. It is re- very sad to hear that. Yeah, it, I mean, you can understand why. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but it, 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 is, it is a sad thing. Jen Hogan and Adrian Kennedy, thank Pleasure. you so much for joining me. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.